0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode of the Amateur Naturalist, where we give you a weekly dose of natural history of either wild native plants or wild animals. My name is Tommy Fowler, and I am an amateur naturalist with a very large passion for the great outdoors. I have a degree in biology, but I began working in retail management 42 years ago. And I've always maintained a deep love for the great outdoors. Today, I'm a human resources senior field trainer, and I love my job. Since I get to teach, train, coach, and develop many people into future leaders for our awesome company. Our focus with this podcast is to talk about, to educate, and to have some fun with topics involving animals and plants found in the wild, and in the great outdoors. My goal with this podcast is talk about some information about the natural history of plants or animals. Every week, we're going to select a new species to discuss. So what the heck is the definition of natural history? You know, Oxford Dictionary says that the definition of natural history is the scientific study of animals or plants, especially dealing with with observation rather than experiment. So in this podcast, we will discuss the natural history of selected plants and selected animals. Now, if you like my podcast, please do me a massive, massive favor by hitting that subscribe or follow button. You know, you can help me greatly by giving me a rating and a review on Apple Spotify, Stitcher, or however you listen to these podcasts. Hey, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could give me five big stars on that rating. Obviously, the five stars will help me out as a podcaster. And one last thing, if you find value in my podcast, please reach out to one or two of your friends and tell them about this nature broadcast. It will truly help us grow this podcast through word-of-mouth advertising, you know, since my budget is very limited. Thank you, and now on to the Amateur Naturalist podcast. All right, good afternoon, friends, and welcome back to the Amateur Naturalist. Hey, last episode, we focused on an animal, the eastern box turtle, one of my favorite animals, and this week I'd like to switch it over to a plant, and today I want to focus on the American pawpaw tree, and folks, I'm not going to say this every episode, but this tree is one of my favorite deciduous trees. This small deciduous tree goes by several different regional names, but its genus species name is asamina Triloba. It's probably pretty obvious, but the pawpaw is in the kingdom Plantae, the order alias, and in the family Annonaceae. The pawpaw tree is fairly small, growing to a height of sometimes between 35 and 40 feet, and that's a pretty tall one. But occasionally we do see some about 45 feet or so. Now they don't get huge. The trunk only gets to have a diameter of somewhere around about 6 to 12 inches, and most and many are much smaller than that. Now the leaves, oh my gosh, the leaves are so pretty. Uh, They're very green, uh, about 10 to 12 inches long, so a long leaf, 4 inches, maybe 5 inches wide, and kind of a simple alternate and deciduous leaf. Now if you squeeze the leaf and kind of bruise it a little bit, it comes off with a smell kind of like a green bell pepper. Uh, You might have to try that sometime. In the fall, these leaves go from a that really bright green to kind of a rusty yellow color. Usually when I'm walking through the woods I can spot those pretty quickly because they stand out out there in the woods. And the flowers. I love those small triangular maroon about an inch maybe two inch flowers probably closer to two inches and these flowers are produced in very early spring before you see any any new leaves. There's a little bit of problem with that and I'll talk about that in a second. Now according to Cordell University, the pawpaw tree is in the hardiness zone of zone five through eight. Now there is a southern variety and there is a northern variety. I'll talk about that in a second for a couple of seconds. Now pawpaw trees have many folk-like names. I love this, such as um, Indian banana, and then you'll hear some folks call them the Kentucky banana, uh, the custard apple, uh, Hoosier banana. I'm sure that's in Indiana, and even Quaker Delight. Now, sometimes you'll hear them referred to as the Appalachian Banana. Now, how about this one? My favorite name is the Hillbilly Mango. What about that? Pretty cool, right? Hey, some people refer to them as papayas, but they are not papayas. And there's a little story behind that. Um, we won't probably get into that today. But a lot of uh, folks used to call them papayas, and, and they're actually called papaws. The fruit is uh, green most of the year and then turns yellow-green to brown as it ripens. Uh, their fruit is the largest edible wild fruit in the United States. So you'll see persimmons out in the woods, and wild persimmons are kind of kind of small, about the size of maybe a golf ball or less. Uh, you'll see them larger in the grocery store. Papayas, you won't see them much in the grocery store, and I'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Now, talking about eating these pawpaws, you have to eat them when they're ripe and no longer that bright green color that you see in the summer, maybe a little bit into the early fall. Uh, Don't eat them when they're unripe because they will pucker you up with a very unpleasant taste. But they taste awesome. Kind of uh, kind of similar to a banana mixed with the flavors of, I'd say, like a pineapple and mango all all mixed together. Really nice fruit. Kind of, kind of tastes kind of tropical. You will probably rarely get enough of these to take them home, and you better act fast if you're going to make a recipe. They just really, really do not hold up very well once they're ripe. If you've heard that pawpaw fruit is poisonous, uh, from what I gather, it's not poisonous, uh, but the seeds and the leaves and the actual bark of the pawpaw contained an insecticidal neurotoxin to actually protect the plant. And we'll talk about that in some butterflies here in a second. I have not mentioned much about the flowers in the early spring and these pawpaw flowers look maroon in color. They're kind of triangular in shape. And from what I've seen in my experiences, they get hit. A lot of times by late frost in Kentucky, often uh, this is really unfortunate because it decreases the amount of fruit, if any, on that tree for this year. The flowers are three lobed flowers, really kind of looks like an old fashioned Revolutionary War hat, and they are so beautiful. I love them. When I would sometimes find trees out there in the spring, I'd see tons of spring flowers on those trees. I'd get really, really excited. Oh boy, we're going to have a lot of fruit this year. And come back a week later and that late frost has burned up the flowers. And of course the flowers finally fell off of the tree. So disappointing to say the least. Uh, When you find one pawpaw tree in the woods, it's almost very, very likely. If you just look around a little bit, you're going to see several more pawpaw trees. These pawpaws form patch-like, understory patches in fertile and well-drained hilly or sometimes bottomland areas. Uh, They have very large, green, simple leaves that are easy to spot. Now, I know my Uncle Leon he always said they tasted like a banana custard of sorts when they're ripe. And I've always wanted to make a pawpaw pie. And one of these days, I plan on doing so. I'm going to do that one of these days. You just can't buy them at the grocery store. So it's kind of hard to get enough of them when you're out in the wild sometimes. Like I said, in my first podcast. I live in Kentucky and I have seen these trees all over our beautiful state. Right here in Lexington we have seen them out at the uh, UK Arboretum. If you're out there at the Arboretum just kind of go down those right side trails of the park at the University of Kentucky Arboretum and I've seen many of these pawpaw trees and their fruit hanging in the late summer and early fall. Now that reminds me it's getting about that time. I better get out there this week and snap a few pictures. In my own backyard, I even planted a couple of these cool pawpaw trees a few years ago. I've tried a few times bringing some saplings in, and you've got to make sure you get a lot of that taproot. And a lot of times you got to really, really keep them watered, and I've lost them. But this time I've got two that are doing really good. Of course, the only problem, I haven't gotten any fruit. Because the squirrels and the possums seem to always beat me to the ripe fruit, I can remember that the state of Kentucky years ago started a push for farmers to start growing these fruit trees agriculturally, yeah, several years ago. I was really intrigued and excited to know that we've got some new trees to maybe start growing agriculturally in our state. I think a lot of our farmers planted these pawpaw trees but unfortunately from what I remember the movement kind of stalled out somewhat because you just really cannot pick the fruit when it's green and can't really get it to the market fast enough before it over ripens. It's just that would be a very serious challenge but if you've ever picked a ripe pawpaw they do bruise very easily thus also shortening any shelf life. I know that the state of Ohio though has had a festival every year for close to maybe twenty years or so called the Ohio Paw Paw Festival. This is a big gathering. Uh they do it every 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 year. They've been doing it for about twenty years or so and this big gathering where they discuss ways to propagate these pawpaw trees Uh, they have some other fun events such as a beer garden and lots of music and fun events they try all kinds of food made from the pawpaws including a delicious they say pawpaw creamy ice cream well i assume it's delicious i haven't tried it but i would definitely be up for trying some Be sure to Google this Ohio Pawpaw Festival and give it a try so you can taste many of these pawpaw recipes and maybe even purchase a small pawpaw tree or two to bring home. The tree has, like I mentioned, large, long, bright green leaves. I really have not seen an abundance of huge trees, but most I have seen on the edges or in the woods are fairly unassuming to almost spindly in structure. Now, just uh, just a few weeks ago in early August, my family, we uh, went caving at Mammoth Cave National Park and in the Bowling Green, Kentucky area, we went to another cave. In both of these woodland areas, we saw countless pawpaw trees. And as I said earlier, if you find one, you will usually find a stand of those trees of at least a dozen or so. That's what we saw in those areas as well. Also, As I said earlier, pawpaws are fairly hardy and they grow from the Great Lakes area of the northern United States all the way down to the top areas of Florida, including the top of the Florida Panhandle region. I've done some genealogical studies and I'm writing a book on this subject. And in doing the research, I read about one of my relatives who traveled with the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Those members of this expeditionary team loved the flavor of these pawpaw trees. But at one point, I read in their travels in 1806, they ate these just to help them have some food, survival. Several towns in the United States are actually named pawpaw, including towns in Oklahoma, West Virginia, Michigan, and in my home state, Kentucky. And allegedly, from what I've read, many Native American tribes loved and savored the fresh fruit of the pawpaw fruit. Many years ago, I met a man named Bob Moranville here in Lexington. Somehow, and I don't know how we got on this subject, we got on the subject of pawpaw trees, and he claimed to have a bunch of these trees in his Lexington backyard. Now, Bob invited me over one day, and sure enough, This fantastic gardener named Bob had the southern pawpaw and the northern pawpaw tree variety that he had ordered through the mail. This northern variety was even more hardy. He was growing these trees and also growing wild blackberries, wild raspberries. uh, He had wild blueberries and he even had wild persimmons among other cool plants. I loved visiting Bob at his house and his trees and listening to his absolute wealth of plant knowledge, and of course that was many, many years ago, and also of course, and unfortunately, Bob has now left us. I would love to have a chat with him tonight as I do this pawpaw podcast. Bob gave me the absolute prettiest, naturally braided together, three pawpaw tree, it was so amazing. Unfortunately, I didn't have a place for it at the time. I didn't own a house. And I gave this tree to my Uncle Leon and Aunt Carol down on the farm in the bluegrass knobs of Marion County, Kentucky. And I was so happy to give it to them. Honestly, it became the tallest and fullest and most beautiful pawpaw tree that I have ever seen in my entire life. I kid you not. It was simply amazing. Sadly now the farm has now been sold but I loved that beautiful northern variety of pawpaw tree. I'd give anything to have it myself now. Most of the times these trees look a bit spindly but this particular tree was absolutely magnificent like it had been grown by an arborist but it hadn't. Actually, if you cannot find pawpaws, there are specialty food companies out there that sell the frozen pulp. Uh, they also have like some frozen ice cream, some frozen other desserts. And uh, you can buy this if you look around on the uh, out there on the Internet. But another thing you can do is ask some of those local farmers at the farmer's markets. And they just might be able to bring some in on their next visit. Now, I'm going to tell you, they're not going to be cheap, I'm sure. Now, back in 2011, I think it was, NPR aired a show about pawpaws, and it generated a lot of interest in the culinary aspect of eating pawpaws, but also in growing these these trees. Universities studied them for agricultural replacements, Um, a lot of farmers were starting to cut back on raising tobacco and some other crops, so they needed something to, to start growing on their farms. When pawpaws do not get ripe, they simply fall from the tree. They get bruised, they get smashed, and they get quickly eaten up and devoured by wild animals. Many times, they don't even get the chance to fall since the wildlife will find them by smell and climb the tree to get to them first. So you can kind of tell farmers weren't going to be able to probably grow these plants very good. But I know they're still studying this. If you're going to grow pawpaw trees, I would kind of guess you might need to get a net around the lower branches to have save some of the fruit from those animals. But then again, using a net, you better be careful because it can be hazardous for the animals as well, as they are very likely to get themselves hung up in the web of the netting. It's highly unlikely that you'll be able to cut the fruit with a knife. But you can cut it in half, squeeze the custard-like pulp into a bowl, take out the seeds, and eat it like that or just find a recipe such as a pie or a cake to savor the flavor. Once you get it to the pulp, put a spoon or so of lemon juice in, mix it up real good, and refrigerate it. And I would say that should help it from the oxidation process. I have heard that lots of folks add them to smoothies. They make ice cream with them, pies, sorbet. They add them to banana pudding, which I think would be really good. They make cakes, jams, or even pawpaw preserves. Tree ripened pawpaws are the best way to eat them, but you better decide quickly how to eat them or fixing them if you're taking some home. These pawpaw fruits, really folks, they only last two or three days at home temperatures and they last a little bit longer in the refrigerator which I have done a few times. I have heard that in Ohio there's actually a craft beer brewery that is making pawpaw beer from the fruit. Kind of a regional thing but sounds interesting and definitely worth a a taste. All right folks, so to wrap up today's podcast on pawpaws, let's talk about the wild animals that eat pawpaw fruit. The fruit is eaten by many mammals, including raccoons, of course, gray foxes. Now, if you know the difference between gray foxes and red foxes, gray foxes a lot of times will climb trees um, if the tree's just right for climbing. Uh, Possums, gray and fox squirrels, deer, black bears, love them, and chipmunks and mice once they fall to the ground. Most of the time, deer... And rabbits, they're not going to eat the leaves and the twigs since it has a smell and the taste of that natural insecticidal neurotoxin kind of keeps them away. Now, here's something kind of cool. This is something I read about. The zebra swallowtail butterfly larva will eat the young leaves, not the older leaves, but they'll eat those young, tender leaves that don't have a lot of the neurotoxin yet. and But they do have some neurotoxin in them. Since the butterfly now has that toxin in it, many predators, such as birds, will not eat the butterflies because of the taste. And there is evidence in fossilized dung of extinct mammoths, mastodons, and giant ground sloths that they ate a lot of pawpaw fruit way back in their time. Well, speaking of time, that's going to be all this week, folks. And I hope that you enjoyed hearing me speak about the awesome pawpaw trees of the eastern United States, both the southern variety and, don't forget, the northern variety. Please remember to tell one or two friends or family members that like wild animals or wild plants, and please take just a few minutes to leave me a rating of five beautiful, big, huge stars. Until next time, love and respect nature and protect our native wild plants and animals.